I got a colleague asking me if we prepare before. Um, and I'm like, no, we just decide what we want to talk about and then we start talking. Welcome to episode six of Expanding Beyond, your favorite tech podcast from sunny Munich. Uh, this week it's, or today it's like 30, 32 degrees. Um, I'm lucky that I live in the in the suburbs and I can go swimming and I can hide in my basement. Uh, how about you, Monica? I cannot hide. <laughs> I actually stopped counting at 33, but it was around like 10 in the morning. So mm -hmm. I'm not looking at the, <laughs> I'm not looking at the temperature right now. I'm just pretending it's like, it's okay. <laughs> um, well, it gave me the chance to go to the park this morning and uh, I live next to the Olympia Park and it's uh, mm -hmm. very nice to just go there and lay in the shadow of the trees by the water. So you can get a good approximation of being out of the out of town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a nice park. Yeah. But for the rest, I'm just laying still and not moving. For the rest, uh, I had a good week. It was intense, but... Um, it felt productive and we had quite a few good exchanges at work. So, um, mm -hmm. it makes me feel positive. That is great. I think that's always the most important part that you think it's going somewhere. Yes. Because, yes. because motivation is, is key to basically anything. <laughs> yes. And when you find colleagues where you can disagree and still work in a professional, fun, and um, human way, I think it's the, I'm a very lucky person. Yeah, on my side, I've, I've spent another week uh, working on the JavaScript app uh, mm -hmm. that I talked about a while ago. I think this is going somewhere as well. I'm Good. almost, almost done with my feature. This was a somewhat not very well uh, written story because this took me now at least two weeks and that's a bit too big but while working on this i i finally got to try out the react testing library which is a nice wrapper of, about around the actual react testing tools that come with react mm -hmm. yeah it has it has a bit of a different approach it's basically you know you can't have tests that say hey i found find this element with this css class or this id the the only thing it allows you to do is basically anything a screen reader would be able to do. So nice. Not only does it make your tests nicer because you have to give stuff names and basically associate labels with the actual elements, but as an as a side effect, you also get basically uh, the ability that screen readers actually work with your stuff because oftentimes those React apps they are not accessible at all. Yes. You don't have to follow any any anything that the browser would do in normal HTML. You can just do whatever you want to. Yeah, that was uh, at the very beginning of my career when I was doing also a little bit of front end when JavaScript wasn't as pervasive as it is uh, right now. I was paying attention to accessibility of websites and uh, and well, they weren't actual applications at that point in time, at least not in the sense we, we call them today. And I was wondering what's the status of uh, accessibility in this day and age, because uh, I know 
also how fast uh, applications are developed and uh, it wasn't a very high priority topic back then uh, so i guess that right now with the pace of the industry and, and everything i mean there is a different sensitivity uh, sensibility yeah sensibility i guess um, <laughs> but not that much i would say but not that much I was wondering if uh, new frameworks and uh, especially new frameworks with, with JavaScript would have an eye uh, for for those things. I mean, this is this is kind of a, a nice way that you basically use the same tools for your tests. And hopefully this also makes your tests less brittle that you don't suddenly depend on some kind of styling CSS that you can't even depend on because you change the styling and it break your tests break. This is also the other That's side. That's a very good point. Yeah, and then I've I I was able to drastically increase the code coverage of that app to a whooping sixteen percent. Sixteen? Yeah. From the, what? The, from well when I started from zero, but in the last two weeks maybe from ten or eleven. Okay. Not bad. At least when you upgraded uh, some basic dependencies and you you get the coverage to see is it completely broken or not that's already something but of course uh, higher would be nicer yeah <laughs> how much time if you if you uh, have an idea uh, have you spent writing these tests compared to uh, to writing the code i mean maybe 50 50 i mean mm -hmm. most time was spent actually trying to understand what it does and where i need to change code <laughs> yeah this is this and was the this big one this is here. my friends the hidden costs of not writing tests and of having a bus factor of one basically and yes, then the dever developer both. leaving i am still amazed by the, the fact that with all good intents but uh, all good intent but i i still work with people that consider tests as optional like yeah if i have time i'll write tests um, not because they are against testing, mind you. It's just that it's not their mindset. And, mm. and that makes me very uncomfortable. But I'm also uh, the kind of person that likes to have plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D just in case. So I might be playing <laughs> it a bit too safe sometimes. Yeah, but on the end I had, yeah. L like we discussed last, I think it was last time, testing is just... There isn't only the 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 coverage that you get out of it, but this is also a design tool. And yes, there is a reason why this app is so hard to test. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, we go with the flow, and it, it, you don't see necessarily all the dependencies. It's like uh, a bit. Oh, what's the English for it? Uh, flow of consciousness when when you write. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you write for yourself and not necessarily for an audience. Therefore, you don't have necessarily to structure your thoughts. Yeah, that is true. You just change stuff until it works. Exactly. And the other stuff I did this week or that we just sort of came up in, in the retrospective we had this week is that we have quite a good grouping process. So we discuss new stories basically every week and then they sort of move uh, to our backlog and then after that meeting 
the product manager and sometimes the CTO, they prioritize the whole backlog and then we start working on, on the stuff from the top sort of as you would. But our backlog is now at least 20 stories long, all groomed, which is nice. Not bad. But we get maybe five to 10 stories done each week and it's starting to grow and grow and yeah we need to figure out how what to do about this because it's nice that you have a lot of groomed stories but this is it is sort of all jumbled there's so many different things we are we are doing at the same time plus mm. you groom something and then if it's in the backlog for for a month or two it's basically not groomed anymore I yeah it say. kind of expires right yes in our team it's basically me and a fellow developer we are the ones who uh, think about the process and yeah now we are thinking about wh what we can do there so we have a basically a kanban kanban like approach we just have never really started to add limits to our columns and maybe this mm. is this is the first time we can try this out so sort of either we limit the backlog or we say we don't groom more than a certain number of stories something like that so fundamentally what you are saying is that stories get to be not relevant anymore or they become kind of out of sync from reality and yeah. then you have to do double the work yeah and it's just someone needs to make the hard decision and say this is not priority we won't do it and this backlog that can grow forever is basically an out there right you just put it in the backlog everyone is happy you just put it at the bottom and it still doesn't get done, but you don't have to face the fact that it's never going to get done. Yeah. Do you think it's because you don't have a clear direction? Like, do you have a roadmap? We probably have a roadmap. I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just, there's, there's stuff coming up from, from multiple uh, coming in from multiple sides. So sometimes we as developers, we write stories, we, we sort of break down bigger things into smaller stories. Sometimes there's, there's smaller things that already come in from product management directly. Okay. And then we start on parts of them and then the rest of sort of aren't done. And then sometimes, then oftentimes something new comes up that is just super urgent. That higher priority. Has yeah. to be done and then it's higher priority. But you've already committed to this other thing and half finished it and now... What do you do? You're basically not doing the rest of the work, which is kind of also not very efficient. So I think we just have too many things uh, going on at the same time. Yeah. If you think about Scrum by the book, one of the things you should have is this uh, sprint goal. So that is the goal of the sprint. Everybody's committed to that. And it's not only a matter of the team of engineers that executes on it, but it also gets the buy-in of the product manager or the stakeholder or whomever. But the person that is bringing forward the, this is what we should do uh, and this is the highest priority. And some stuff will always come that is more urgent. But in my experience, at least, it's either that the house is on fire or you have smaller things. But then if you yeah. have an approach like Kanban, you don't, I assume there, correct me if I'm wrong, I assume that you are not limiting the number of things into, uh, that gets into the sprint. Therefore, then it's, uh, you're kind of like overbooked. Yeah. 
I mean, the way you do it in Kanban, which we, which I guess is the problem that we currently don't do it, you just limit what can be in certain columns, yes. right? And then you basically, I mean, this is the one thing that we probably need to do. And the other thing that we are kind of need to commit, I think, to is that once it's in, it gets finished. We sometimes yes. have stuff that gets started and then it moves back because other stuff is more important. And I think we just need to make, eventually you have to, uh, the rule has to be if, if, if you start it, then it needs to be done. And if you can't finish it on your own, then the others need to help you. If I recall correctly, my uh, software engineering textbook from college, that, that was the whole point of the sprint whatever it's in the sprint has to has the highest priority and yeah. even if things come up it shouldn't overthrow what's in what's in there but it's also yeah. a bit ideal world i mean basically we do our grooming and whatever every week and it's highly unlikely that something will come up that is so important that it has to be done somewhere in the middle mm. unless the, the whole thing like you said is burning Yes. But other than that, I think it's just you, people often think that it is important, but in the end, it actually isn't. Yes, it's uh, it's also difficult to uh, assess because very, very often as humans, we mix up, we think we have this because something is urgent, it feels important. But when you go and decide about things, they might feel urgent and therefore important you should be able to uh, step back for a second and think what is going to happen if we don't do this mm. and yeah. what is going to happen if we don't do instead the thing we said that we wouldn't do in mean, agile however we want to call it agile practices are not about rigidity in a sense but agile is not chaos it's a process in itself yes even though a lot of people these days think of agile as I can do whatever I want. I just call it agile. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is a bit of a. I think it's a general problem with philosophies and and theories when they become widespread. There is a bit this cargo culting, and then mm. you really don't understand the purpose behind it. And if you don't understand the purpose behind the practice, you go through the moves, but you don't really internalize the message. You don't internalize the principles behind it. And therefore, it's an empty shell that it, it doesn't really help you as much as it could if you would reflect upon it. I was reading this article where the author was uh, speaking about how now very often we are mixing up autonomous teams with independent teams. Uh, what he is saying is that autonomous teams are supposed to be autonomous so they should be able to deliver something from beginning to to the end mm -hmm. and this means that they should also be independent from other teams if we keep teams uh, small for the sake of them having few people but we then don't give the team autonomy on the domain and they have to share the problem space with other teams that might be as small as the theory goes but still have to go through this communication pattern, uh, this communication overload, 
across teams, it's even more difficult to get something done than with an actual big team that works on a single problem space. Mm, yeah. Uh, so scaling the organization just by adding more uh, small teams without really carving the space for those teams to work on something they are solely responsible, it is also not particularly uh, efficient. And then the question is always like, why is the team not performing? Why are we mm. not performing? We fundamentally moved the communication overload from the members of the team to the teams themselves. Yeah, it is. it is sort of reminds me of the... On a technical side, this is basically the same thing as monolith versus, exactly. versus microservice. <laughs> they exactly. do basically the same thing. <laughs> you just move the communication overhead somewhere else. Exactly. The the author was exactly making this parallel in the sense uh, was saying I could go and list a bunch of problems that microservices have, and I would exactly nail the same problem. So yeah. you have to use that, but you have to be careful for what you use it. Yeah, luckily we are not there yet. Our team is still small enough that we can just, well, I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that everyone is in the same team. On the other hand, not everyone can do everything. Mm. So it is also on the other hand, hard to pick out the priorities if not everyone can do everything. But yeah, we are sense. getting there. I, th I think we have, yet we basically have the freedom to change our process more or less as we want. Product management is happy to try out all the stuff and the CTO is basically giving us the freedom to do it the way we want it, which is great. So we will just try it and see if that helps. If we, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm pretty excited to go uh, completely Kanban. I've never really tried it with all those limits and seeing what that produces. That would be an interesting experiment. All right. So that's basically my update from since last we recorded. So how about you? In the last episode, you mentioned that you wanted to carve out some time to set up the iOS development environment. Did and that work? I did it. Uh, I did it. Uh, I, I had this couple of hours in which uh, I set up S code. And I have to say thank you very much to our iOS uh, Academy, our iOS team, they have a Trello board that they use to help people uh, go through the onboarding. So I could avoid bothering people for almost everything. Like uh, mm, you go nice, here, yeah. yes, uh, you go here, you read the readme of the repo and there you find some other references. You have to do this, you have to do that. Some things I know how to do them anyways, because um, for example, I had to install RBM uh, or um, I avoided doing sudo install bundler, for example, JSON bundler, <laughs> uh, this kind of stuff, because I, I am coming from a Ruby background before I was using different tools, but uh, there was that. It took Xcode, I think, half an hour or so to uh, index the whole project. The fans were spinning a lot, yeah. <laughs> but everything seems to be working nicely at the moment. I haven't yet tried anything. I got access to uh, all the accounts that I'm supposed to get access to. Uh, we have a logging uh, tool. We have a tool to analyze the crashes. So the performance mm -hmm. of the app and so on and so forth. So I got everything set up. It took me 
two hours to get the environment ready and it took me the rest of the week to get uh, access to uh, the accounts and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a as, fascinating as soon experience. as a human is involved everything slows down yeah there's that and again documentation needs to be groomed so in the Trello board there were references to tools that we don't use anymore because we migrated to yeah. other tools or they were acquired by other companies and therefore they changed their uh, their setup their name so they are now part of a bigger different kind of product and so on so i had to figure out a couple of those things but the thing that was the slowest was actually me because that's what i do now like uh, i spend time talking with other people uh, i spend time coordinating i spend time organizing uh, and this takes a lot of time and energy especially mental energy and we all know as engineers as developers that you need to have some time to dedicate to things if you want to get to the end of them and that brings me instead to uh, this while i'm i am very focused at work and i do deliver when it's about stuff that i do uh, on the side it goes on and on and on drugs forever and some things i never do mm -hmm. so in the end, what I figured out is that I learned a few practices to become more intentional about what I do on my personal projects that are now feeding back into work. Um, so I had this conversation this week regarding uh, how my calendar looks because it's it looks like if you look at it from in the in the time frame of the next two weeks, it's back to back like everything, every little space is filled. Mm -hmm. But it gets to that point over time. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm trying to do while well, at the beginning of the year, I was being reactive. So my calendar was being filled in by other people. Mm -hmm. The difference that I feel right now is that I am the one that is controlling the calendar and I'm using it as a tool to be intentional about what I want to do so that this day is dedicated to set up my iOS development environment. This day is dedicated to one-on-ones. This day is dedicated to, I don't know, I need to uh, write performance reviews. So those three hours in the afternoon are for that. And I question everything that changes that schedule. Do I have to be there? Mm -hmm. What's the agenda? Is there even an agenda? Why do you want to change oh. the time? Meetings without agendas. Oh, I know, right? That's another Beautiful. topic for a whole episode. <laughs> yes. Until I switched from an individual contributor to a management position, I didn't understand how disruptive a meeting without an agenda is. I didn't realize how big of a problem it can be. What is this time we are using for? What is that you want to have out of this? Because time becomes scarce. It's a scarce resource. Then you have to be extremely protective of it. And it's not like it's only your time. It's like the time of everyone. And that sort of adds up pretty quickly. Yes. Um, so I we are in the lucky position that one of my co-workers is very... That's his thing. When TDD is mine, that is his thing. And now nowadays we basically... In every meeting invite, there's already a link to a Google Doc and you're supposed nice. to fill in stuff before you even, before the meeting, ideally a few hours before so that everyone can read stuff. 
that's in the agenda already and then that's very nice those meetings at least those meetings where we manage to do that they are just so much more efficient and then you have to have someone in charge who then goes through all the points one by one and then basically oftentimes nothing else gets added and that is just so much more efficient and enjoyable yes another another trick that i uh, read about and i think it's very useful is to explicitly name the meeting with the intent is this an alignment meeting is this a decision meeting is this a again one-on-one uh, but the purpose of that meeting should be clear we're coming here to decide about this topic or we're coming here to investigate this topic so that you also come with a certain you and, and the other uh, the other people in the meeting will come with a certain mindset if it's about deciding you should do your research upfront you won't go through beside a short recap this is the topic we're going to decide about today but beside that we're not gonna start again from the beginning discussing what is this about and what are the pros and what are the cons and so on mm-hmm. and so forth like reanalyzing the problem at hand yeah and it also gives uh, people well people like me basically who can't just come up with ideas on the spot mm. who just need a need a few days or at least a few hours to think about it and then sort of can can come prepared to a meeting i mean some people don't need to do this although i sometimes question if they come up with the best ideas that way but there's others that just need this yeah that is another thing that uh, that it's important especially when you are about to decide about something you need time to think about the problem or if you want to discuss around it it's not a discussion for let's explore the problem space it's more discussional that we have different opinions on something you need time to go through your arguments for that problem and against that problem so that you can potentially have good answers if you want to bring your point across mm-hmm. and if you don't have this time to think then the quality of your work it's gonna decrease and meetings are the bulk of the work of a manager yes your your performance and how good you are as a manager is also measured on the output of your team but it also depends the output of your team depends on how good a decision maker you can be how good the information that you have regarding a certain problem is and uh, yeah so now i am starting to add slots also to my personal calendar about what i want to achieve during the week um, so I have a slot for a workout. I have a slot for if I'm writing something. I have a slot for our podcast. Thank you for your invite. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> if, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't get done. That's basically at exactly. least for work. That's true, but for other stuff, that is true as well. I mean, here we are lucky that we're in the same time zone, so it's not as hard. But calendars are also amazing for handling time zones i found yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially now with all these uh, chances of watching webinars and conferences online and another thing that i uh, instead brought from work into my personal life i started uh, i think it was two weeks ago we had the first session with 
it's a it's coming from the idea of weekly reviews from uh, GTD getting things done, mm-hmm. but it's actually a retrospective on the past two weeks with a group of strangers actually. <laughs> okay. Um, so we we meet and we talk about what went well. It's kind of like an accountability circle. What went well? Uh, what went well? Uh, what did you learn? And we decide what we are going to do next to build on top of the learnings uh, we had. And mm-hmm. it's extremely interesting because we come from such different backgrounds, different countries. So the things you are listening to and you are sharing are very different contexts for the others. And something that for you it's normal, for them it's completely new. And uh, it's very, it's refreshing. To, to some degree, I, I know it sounds weird. The first time I heard about something like that, a friend of mine was doing it with his girlfriend, retrospectives on their relationship. Mm-hmm. I kind of like looked at him very weird. But for these things that are projects, it's really like a moment of reflection about what you have yeah. done uh, and how far you have uh, progressed. Yeah, I mean, half of it is, of course, like you said, the accountability you have to review for yourself before you even go into that meeting, right? Out of all of this, what I uh, what I appreciate of this work feeding into my personal life and personal life feeding into work is that, first of all, I am my job. I do that for eight hours a day, at least. And mm-hmm. vice versa, I learn many things on the job because it's a very people-oriented job that I can cater into my life uh, and that brings me joy. And what I learned on the job allows me to reflect better on myself and the growth that personally I have, uh, I had in the past year because of this job has been immense. The way I think about myself, about the, about problems, about how to conduct myself through life. So I'm very grateful for having had this opportunity that I didn't see at all. And it's a, a great gift. Mm. Ah, that's, that's great. Yeah, for me, it is more or less separate. There's work and there I am one person. I have opinions and I'm pretty vocal about them. And then there's the rest of life where I'm just an introvert. It is surprising for everyone who sort of uh, can see both both sides. Interesting. <laughs> and you also had a, another realization that writing is not easy. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> man. That's so difficult. And I never particularly liked to write. Uh, I love to read. I could read for ever. Like mm-hmm. my my... Whenever someone asked me, what, what would you like to do? What would be your dream life? It's like just a nook with a nice window, few bookshelves around myself. And that's it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> but writing was never particularly my passion. It was something that I always dragged around when I was in school. And I was not a bad writer, according to my friends back then. Essays and the like, probably because I'm reading so much then some of it translates to, to writing and to how I organize my thoughts. But I haven't been writing anything that is longer than a Jira ticket for a very long time. I am trying to understand how can I 
better convey the importance of uh, some work that we do from an engineering perspective, from a software engineering perspective, how mm-hmm. impactful that work can be in the organization. Talking about, you know, tech debt, tech capital, this kind of stuff. And I interviewed a few people in my company to try to understand different perspectives. What is it that goes through a product owner's mind? What what do they need when we talk about these things? The CTO, the some some of the engineers and so on. So I collected all these things. And now I would like to write it down for my sake, because of course, but possibly to uh, also share it with uh, other people within the organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to give it a form, a shape of some sort and... All those thoughts are everywhere. And um, to phrase concepts in a way that they flow from one to the other requires a lot of practice. And I am so out of practice. (laughs) (laughs) So what I found is that at least in the beginning for me, it is so much easier when I do it on paper and I don't try Mm. to start on the computer. Oh, that's a good tip. I can try. I mean, I, I have this huge A3 sized paper pad. And for certain tasks, that is for me at least the best tool because there's so much space and I can just write it all down. It is all on one page. I can see it all and then maybe bring it into a form. Obviously, eventually it needs to go into the computer, but oftentimes for me, it's just so much faster to get started and have at least something. At least for me, it is when there's, even if it's horrible, if you have a first version, then you already have something to improve upon and then. That is sort of, hmm. for me, at least the hardest step. No, but even just put your thoughts in order. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that will be already something. I'm going to try and let you know how it goes. I got a big uh, block note because I don't have any stationary uh, home. Like I, I had plenty of notebooks at work, but home, there is no office manager that I can go and ask. Can you provide me with another notebook? So <laughs> I had to provide myself with one. <laughs> so Yeah, that's that I don't have that problem. Yeah. I have a shelf full of empty notebooks and pens and ink and everything. Yes, someday you <laughs> should uh, you should share with us uh, a picture of all those things because uh if Looking at uh, at the websites, uh, the website you have on uh, on fountain pens, I guess they look very beautiful, and uh, you have a lot of them, to my understanding. <laughs> so, I'd be curious. Yes, yes. It sounds like we can wrap it up here for yes. today. Okay, so where can people find you on the internet? So people can find me on Twitter as uh, KF Molly with nine and on dev2 and github as nearnet and among many of my projects there's a new one i'll let you know once it's uh once it's out there and you can find me as ujh on twitter and on github and you can also find my blog at urbanhafner.com i will probably start posting again eventually i don't know maybe someday maybe (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm paying for the wordpress hosting so i probably should make use of it anyway you can you can uh email us your suggestions feedback and anything at hosts at expandingbeyond.it and you can also find the podcast on twitter as podcast underscore eb 
All right, that's it for this week or these two weeks, probably. Uh, two what's weeks. our schedule? Or this fortnight, to use your favorite word. Yes. <laughs> um, have a nice evening and talk to you later. Bye bye. You too. See you next time, folks. Bye.